0: This is Good Together, the podcast that inspires you to create positive change in the world every day by being a conscious consumer. I'm your host, Laura Alexander Wittig, founder of Brightly.eco. And I started this podcast a few years ago because I wanted a place to talk about the gray areas around sustainability and how being a conscious consumer can be challenging and confusing but it's totally doable. So join me in the name of reducing waste and living positively in the name of the planet. listeners, today's topic is fascinating because it's something that I have actually thought about before in my own way, but had zero idea how to actually think about implementing it. (laughs) Um, And the idea really is harnessing um, energy from nature around us. So, you know, of course, we know about solar power, we know about wind energy, but have you ever really thought about the vast untapped energy potential of our oceans? So that's right. Um, There is a sustainable answer to our energy needs that is in progress um, and and possibly, you know, working with these uh, waves crashing into our shores every day. So we're talking about wave energy today. And with more than 70 percent of the Earth's surface covered by water, wave energy truly does have the potential to become a key contributor to our global energy needs. So. This week's guest, Jan Skoldamer, knows definitely a few things about wave energy. <laughs> He's the founder and CEO of Novi Ocean um, and is, is a wave energy developer that uses ocean waves to generate electricity. So welcome, Jan. I wonder if you can just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about how you got started in this field.
1: Happy to be with you, Laura. Um, and this came about uh, with ideas since I was uh, a youngster, actually, I had many patent ideas, and uh, they mainly lay in my drawer for years uh, (laughs) and doing other things. I I went to become an officer, took an economics degree, then went on to flying commercial airlines for 25 years, but all the way, all the time, this was laying in my drawer, and uh, I saw that the climate crisis was uh, getting more and more imminent. And at the same time, by coincidence, I made a a rather good property deal, which gave me some liberty in life. And then I said, what the heck, uh, I can choose between just keep on flying or do something more meaningful. And then uh, chose to uh, continue on my uh, long-awaited wave power device. Wow. uh, Doing that full-time now for six years. Uh, We're now six persons uh, full-time and have... Gone uh, quite a bit on development and, and have quite astonishing numbers, uh, so it all looks very good uh, going forward. And I would perhaps state that, uh, in my opinion, saving the climate would not be possible just by using main wind power and solar power. You have to use the vast energy from the oceans.
0: Yeah, I I totally agree with you. I've always thought, you know, as we as a society examine the different types of energy sources available to us, you know, we, it has to be a combination of things. And just because we haven't, you know, used something like wave energy on mass yet does not necessarily mean it's not going to happen in the future. And, um, you know, I I live in Seattle, um, so I'm very much exposed to the ocean. And certainly um, we spend a lot of time on a little Island out here called Fox Island, we see the currents, um, just the, the power of the ocean. <laughs> uh, we just see it in our in our face all the time. We don't necessarily have a lot of waves out there, but I say this because it is obviously a very very powerful energy source that exists on our planet. And so, I wonder if you can tell us a little bit about like what wave energy is. Um, and obviously, that's going to take a while. But then, I'm really curious to know, like, why have we not started to do you know harness this type of power yet? Like that's just a huge question I have. But let's just maybe get started with what wave energy actually is.
1: <laughs> yes, it's a good question by uh, the second one. But uh, first of all, the wave energy uh, it is defined as as extracting energy from the uh, the motion of the waves that can be horizontal or vertical. You can use the laws of Newton uh, by let's say resisting the movement of the particles, or you use uh, the law of Archimedes with, uh, let's say, locking air into water, and which is then forced upwards uh, in buoyancy and lifting. So there is a vast combination of of solutions out there to extract this uh, energy, and I would say about half of them or a little bit more are going by. Resisting the the uh, particles, another half is uh, using buoyancy, and and uh, it's kind of interesting to see how this will be converging over the time uh, to very few uh, solutions, which will then be the dominant one uh, going forward. And to continue on on that a bit, uh, why it is not you know on the market yet? I think it's partly by coincidence. You know, someone came up with wind power many years ago and, and finally they come up with the, with the turbines they have today and uh, of course had the correct solution been for wave power at the same time, could have been the same size even bigger, who knows uh, it's sometimes innovations comes in, in, in uh, different uh, decades, but it doesn't mean necessarily that wind power or sun power is better, it's just been the timing is, is different, but it will happen there is no doubt
0: yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, to me, it sounds like it's something that you're right. It's it's quite literally been staring us in the face for centuries, but we haven't really figured out how to harness it. And so, when you mentioned earlier in your intro that you had patents sitting around, tell me a little bit more about that. Are they related to um, wave energy? And and how did you how did you come up with that? Was that in in university in school?
1: No, it wasn't. Uh, since I was a youngster, I was driving. Uh, motorbikes illegally since I was uh, very young and, and you know worked on those and then cars also a bit too, too early I may say and so I, I was curious about mechanics and, and mm. looked at boat racing and stuff like that and then I came up with different ideas which weren't you know patented like patent ideas I would say more and, and I've seen at least four of them come to market 25 years later uh, in different uh, areas uh, and seeing them come to you know come to life being uh, large innovations uh, worth a lot of money, uh, which is fine. Uh, but then I you know, had this one laying in my drawer and, and I thought um, this can be just as large as anyone else. So my mm-hmm. IDs, but uh, regarding patents then, so uh, during the last uh, years we have been uh, making, drawing up three patents, and they are now uh, approved in uh, in about uh, 15 to 20 countries uh, worldwide. Those countries uh, which do have the largest waves, mainly on the west coast of the yeah. continents, uh, of course, also on the US, Canada, Alaska side, and you know, South America, Africa, and uh, Australia, New Zealand, Indonesia, Japan, etc. Huge waves potential uh,
0: Interesting. So, so you're, you're saying that, yeah, you have this background, really understanding turbines and really the mechanics in that. And so, you know, maybe walk us through a little bit of, you know, what this potentially would like look like. I mean, is this something sitting on a platform? Is this something that's, you know, deep below the ocean? Like where is the um, harnessing of the energy happening? Um, So listeners, you're probably visualizing I mean, I'm at least visualizing what a turbine is, right? Um, the mechanics, the the inner workings of something like that, um, that are required to, you know, harness energy. But I'm curious to know a little bit about like, yeah, what would it what it comes across visually like.
1: Yes. First of all, the listeners, if they're curious, just uh Google know the ocean. Know the ocean, then you will get to our homepage and, and you will see videos and and uh, illustrations showing how it works. But basically, uh, just by this audio, it uh, it consists of three parts: a large rectangular float. In the first iteration, 38 meters long, eight meters wide, four meters high, so that one uh, can lift up to 600 tons uh, out of the water uh, by buoyancy. And the connection to that in the middle there is a cylinder which is water filled, and then the piston rod is then connected to the sea floor via uh, a wire. wire. And on top of the whole thing is a water turbine, a Pelton turbine, the same as used in the hydropower plants. So perhaps it would be good to repeat how a hydropower plant uh, has been used for the last 200 years. You have a dam up in the mountains, then you have a tube going down, perhaps 500 meters, and the weight of that water creates then 50 bars of pressure, a very high pressure, and water is then released onto a turbine, Pelton turbine, which spins around at high speed, which again drives the generator. So we have the same thing. We call it the hydropower plant at sea. Hmm. So the cylinder uh, then pumps the same water with the same pressure up to the same Pelton turbine, which drive this, drives the same generator, and then the cable goes into land with the electricity. So it's, it's really simple. And the pumping motion if anyone can, uh, you know, think back in the good old days when you have the garden pump, the one with the handle,
0: yep. <laughs> it pumps in,
1: in the same way. So you would just pump water uh, a bit harder than, of course, uh, you can do with your hands. But in the same principle, we just pump water in the lifting phase onto the Pelton turbine, and that water hits that turbine with up to 400 kilometers per hour, up to 1,000 liters per second. So oh, wow. imagine taking your neighbor's van, and crashing it into the brick wall at forty kilometers per hour every second, that's the force
0: well, and I mean what's so fascinating about this is it's not requiring you know the the burning of fossil fuels or any type of you know unsustainable um you know source you know i mean that's what's so interesting to me about this um uh, specific power source um and so one of the things that I that stuck out to me as you we were talking, other than just the sheer force of things, is the list of countries who have granted the patents and are excited about this technology. So how are they planning on using it? I mean, is there like a big city um that is potentially just gonna go all in on, on harnessing this for their for their um population? Or tell me a little bit more about the the, the international side of things?
1: Yes, it's um Let's say in Europe first, then uh, the interest is, is growing, and the European Commission uh, has, uh, let's say, set forth now a plan to see 40 gigawatt of uh, ocean energy in the water by 2050, uh, 500 megawatt in the water by 2030. And uh, that's both tidal power and wave energy. Uh, the wave energy potential, though, is, is 10 times larger for, than tidal power. Tidal power, by the way, is the horizontal uh, streams of water flowing around the coastline. Very often, when you have a narrow, you know, uh, gap between, uh, you know, uh, like between Madagascar and Africa, for instance, you can have more, more tidal power. Also, some places in Canada and and the U.S. But anyway, wave power is then set to become quite large. And in Europe, they will do the same thing as they did with wind power and sun power. You get subsidies first, or a nicer word is incentives yeah it means the same thing uh and uh you get different sort of of, of uh, incentives or subsidies on the the uh, spot price or uh capex support to, to build this stuff uh, right now uh in the u k and in Canada and taiwan uh they offer something like uh, 25 cents uh, per uh, kilowatt hour for uh, tile and some also for wave power. Taiwan is actually the one with, uh, with the best offer right now. They, they offer basically 25 cents uh, also for wave power. So it's coming. Uh, plus, all island, there's 2,000 islands around the world that has a, a vast potential and need for green yes. power. Yes. Now we're only running on diesel, plus many remote locations running on diesel. And they very often have a cost of more than twenty-five cents per kilowatt hour, which is a an, natural, an non-subsidized, uh, you know, uh, potential for for this uh, this uh, sort of energy.
0: Well, that's nice to hear that. Yes, governments are making it more financially feasible for you know uh, corporations and, and governments and things of this nature to use this type of um, you know power source. I think is really interesting, and, and of course makes sense. I mean, I can't even imagine if you're on a remote island thinking about powering your entire island with diesel. I mean, just the logistics there in addition to how awful it is for the climate is, is kind of staggering to think about. So you talked a little bit about um, you know, wave versus tidal energy, and that makes sense to me, right? Like when I was first talking, I was actually talking more about tidal energy, although of course I see the power of wave energy as well. And so curious to know a little bit more about um you know, maybe what, um, you know, maybe the, the differences, not necessarily the differences between the, the way that they work, because you've already explained that, but maybe a little bit more about the differences in adoption or, um, you know, if, if this, if, if both are working together, obviously to harness the power of the ocean to get us towards, you know, more net neutral and that zero type energy sources.
1: Yes. Um, they are in many ways, uh, Tidal energy, uh, you know, fluctuates as a, as a consequence of the, of the moon and the Earth rotation, uh, mm-hmm. press more every six hours with full power and then no power. Exactly. So it's yep. a different uh, cycle. Uh, wind power is, of course, then uh, dependent on, 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 on wind. And of course, sun power, we know when we have it and when we don't have it. But the interesting thing is with then uh, wind creates waves over time and distance so that's why on the west coast of the US for instance you have uh, the waves uh, you know being being uh, you know larger and larger crossing the Pacific and when they hit the the uh, the west coast the uh, the waves remains for days even when the wind goes down goes down uh-huh. uh, then the waves remains afterwards so basically you can say around the world that 40% of the hours of the month, there is almost no wind and no sun. Those 40% of those hours, what do we do? We burn fossils. Fossils and fossils and fossils. Yeah, A lot. But wave power is then uh, off-faced in timing with wind power. So when the wind goes down, goes down, you still have waves for a few more days. Then the wind is building up again. So the wind power comes back online. And then wind goes down again and you have wave power. So they are, you know, uh, not, of course, perfectly in, in, in balance, but they are you know, off-faced and then very much complementary. So if an owner of a uh, wind power plant or sun power plant combined, then it's, it's better. But if they add wave power to it, it's much better for the grid because yeah. you have power basically 24-7. Without having to turn up that uh, that coal power plant or that uh, that diesel power unit, that's very uh, cool. So you can choose between if you're a utility owner, either you use wind, solar, and fossils, or you use basically uh, wind, solar, and wave power. I would like to say, and of course that's a bit on 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 the you know harsh side, but that's the that's the fundamental of it. Of course, storage is also possible. But storage by batteries of today's batteries on grid scale is possibly, is basically impossible because it's such a large need for it or, or, or so, so many gigawatts. Mm-hmm. So it's almost impossible. And we'll also take, of course, lots of lithium and cobalt to extract. So if we can have an energy source which comes in directly, not needing storage at that scale, it is much, much better for the environment than using the fossils or just batteries to balance out the whole thing
0: very interesting yeah i you know it's funny i hadn't really considered well i mean not in depth the, the we know that the environmental impact of batteries is is significant right for the reasons you just mentioned but you're you're correct also in thinking about you know <laughs> the storage situation, um, you know, can be while, you know, the, the power source could be very environmentally friendly, right? The storage of then said power could be inherently not super environmentally friendly because of what you just mentioned. So that's kind of an interesting duality there. I also liked how you mentioned the balancing of these different, um, you know, uh, eco-friendly, uh, or really earth powered, uh, power sources. I mean, you're right. The, in some seasons, there might not be as much sun. So then it could be balanced, the solar uh, situation could be balanced by the wind, etc. So I find that extremely interesting. Um, so tell me a little bit more. I mean, you you talked a little bit about this earlier, but I guess, you know, for me, the big question is like, this seems like a no brainer. Like, it's it's crazy to me that, you know, considering humans have been on this earth for centuries and centuries, it seems to me to be crazy that we haven't, Tried to harness this energy previously. I mean, are, I'm sure. Are there any sort of like historical attempts at doing this in any form or fashion? And you know, why haven't we started doing it on a broader scale sooner?
1: It's a very good question. Um, I, I might add, by the way, uh, just as a, on the side that that uh, that our system now in a, in a one to six scale is right now powering a small island outside Stockholm. Uh, mm. adding you know we have a cable into land and on that island there's two houses uh <laughs> which do get electricity from from our our uh, unit they also have solar power so it, it's still functioning right now it's online and i can look at it and it's, it's out there doing its job so so this is not a dream this is something that do work right now 24 7 for us wow. on a smaller scale uh and there are also some other ones out there that that uh, do work but um Basically, going back history-wise, uh, the first uh, unit was made more than 200 years ago uh, for for wave power, like a, a, like a turbine out in, mm. in, in, in the water. Then many, many, many have tried different solutions. Um, many do give some energy, but they are too costly in, in general. Mm. And that is because uh, the, what the guys using the particles, as mentioned in the beginning, They need, uh, in our calculations, 30 times more steel in the water or air in the water than if you use buoyancy, in our opinion. So uh, they get very easily too heavy. And when it's too heavy, of course, you have a a long carbon payback time, but it becomes also very costly. So uh, most of them have not been able to be, you know, uh, business wise Mm. possible. Then you have the one with buoyancy and most of the other ones are round uh, floats, there going up and down in the water, but you are restricted to about maximum 8 to 10 meters diameter, otherwise you'll be cutting the smaller waves. Oh. Uh, and then you can extract, in, in theory, something like 100 uh, kilowatt on average at the most. And you know, wind power trace is, is 10 megawatt or more, uh, so we need very many units. And then add to that, they're very complex. Very often they have cogwheels and accumulators and and, uh, very fancy, let's say, system inside, which wear out and and cost it to build. So they have a problem then with selling this to the utility companies uh, at the proper price. Um, Our system then uh, is a bit different. Um, It's not perhaps the main thing for the listener because you just want to learn about wave power. But it's important to be light have few parts, simple parts, well-proven parts, and uh, be very cost-effective. And and our numbers show that we have this right now. So we do think that we are one of the very few ones that are going to make this uh, happen in real life due to the simplicity and and, and those things I just mentioned. Many other ones are unfortunately in the other side of that bandwagon And, and, uh, and you have to be economical. Has to last for preferably forty years out there, uh, and and then you are and have a carbon payback time as ours of slightly more than one year, as opposed to solar panels perhaps seven years. So it, it's important to look at all the numbers and then uh, encourage those through subsidies and some also some some risk taking to go with this.
0: And yeah, absolutely. Believe, <laughs> and if I may
1: add, I do personally believe that looking at the numbers, uh, we seem to be better. Mind my words. Than offshore wind power in every aspect. Mm. It's a strong statement, but we look to be that, especially against floating offshore wind, uh, because they are very large, very heavy, and and complex. So we'll see, but uh, <laughs> that's uh, that's uh, what it looks like. Yeah, no, is, it, it makes total add,
0: sense. Yeah.
1: If I may add, of course, we need the energy mix. Uh, so I'm not, of course, not against the other ones. I'm just saying that we are needed in this mix. To uh, you know, reduce the amount of fossil used when there's no wind and no no sun, particularly.
0: Of course, well, and the other thing I was going to say is, look, I mean, it has to make economic sense for all the reasons you just mentioned, and subsidies and things of that nature. While they are great and necessary, you know, we can't have those be the total reliance of the system. So that, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, uh, you know, one more question that I had to you before we, I mean, you know, we're I can't believe. We, we're, we're getting close to time already, which is crazy. But for me, one of, one of the things we like to do on this podcast is tie current events back to the overall topic. And so, you know, I believe with, because of climate change, we're starting to see more and more extreme weather events around the world. And so I'm curious to know how... This type of changing pattern, um, you know, cycles in, the, in this situation is impacting something like uh, wave energy, right? How is that? How is that working?
1: Well, uh, of course, the hurricanes are uh, more violent uh, yes. now than they used to be, and more more frequent, which is of course a concern uh, in, in certain locations, uh, like in the Caribbean, for instance. Uh, uh So uh, the structure must be able to take that that force, and uh our system is designed to take uh, waves of thirty meters, which is uh kind of high and and uh, it it's very light in the water like a surfboard, so we're not that uh that hampered by by high waves or winds like perhaps some other ones uh, The lifting force is then twenty times higher than the surf force, which is important. Uh, but of course, it's a, it's a challenge. Uh, it can come as a surprise in the future. Uh, I might mention uh, that we also will have solar panels on top, about mm. 400 square meters at least with that on top. And why? Well, we have the, this, the, uh, the platform anyway. We have the cable, we have the, the morning lines, everything, systems on board. So it makes sense just to use that platform anyway to extract some solar panels. And as you mentioned, in in the summer times, for instance, or the, in seasons, there might be less waves, especially the four summer months uh, normally. And then, of course, you have more sun power. So it makes sense to extract, you know, all the sun power during daytime, especially in the summer when there is less waves mm-hmm. and, and, and and vice versa. So we we have a hybrid concept, and and which might be interesting.
0: That is interesting. Absolutely. And I I guess, uh, you know, another question that I had, too, was you mentioned the infrastructure. And it sounds like the infrastructure exists already in many places due to, um, yes, to offshore wind energy, et cetera. But when we think about, like, the the environmental impact of such a thing, like, how do these infrastructure, these cables, et cetera, like, impact uh, the natural uh, wildlife in the
1: oceans? Uh, What has done... uh... Quite a few uh, investigations onto possibly negative impact both on tidal power and wave power, mm. and so far one has basically seen none. Uh, there is uh, no harm done to the, you know, animals or, or fish, uh, you know, swimming around the turbines. If it's tidal turbines, they, they avoid those propellers going around. And for wave power, if there's no leakage, they have seen uh, nothing. It's even so that the, the the shells and stuff, they start growing onto the, you know, whatever is. Oh, like, really? Yeah. The floor, they say, happy, we have a new home. So they, they start growing onto that one. So, so it seems to be very positive. If you then compare, of course, to wind power, uh, it's different. I might perhaps want to mention something which is less known about wind power, which I think is important. It has to do with insects, hmm. I think we all know about the birds uh, are, are being you know killed by wind power yes. in mm-hmm. certain areas, but one has measured now uh, the impact on insects in Germany. every you know wind turbine in Germany kills about forty kilos of insect wow. per, per year it's forty kilos, and that's a large volume. It would probably cover more than your living room and how many turbines do you have you know, twenty eight turbines just in Germany so, so imagine 28,000 living rooms with dead in, insects every year and what had not measured you know the the, the hits on, on on the car in the evening when you drive your car in Germany the hits nowadays is 10% of what you had 20 years ago in the evening uh, so this is a bit you know perhaps a bit um, delicate to talk about since we are working with wave power but I mention it because I think it should be addressed. I think the wind power guys should see if they can in some way avoid this, uh, this impact. Mm. In, since insects and bees, for instance, are extremely important oh, yeah. for our, our future. So it's something which is kind of hushed about a bit. But I think it's important to you know, call it by fact and, and try to solve this and then look on to perhaps other solutions which do not have this impact. Absolutely.
0: No, and it, it's something where you're right. I think I certainly most of us have heard of the birds, um, but corrective. I mean, thinking about the insect impact and bees and pollinators, et cetera, It is something that's important. And I appreciate you talking about that because it's something I, I personally haven't really talked about. And so just to be clear, though, with the um, the turbines, um, you know, utilized by wave energy, you're saying that the, you know, animals are just avoiding it. Is that correct? They're just not not going anywhere near it.
1: Yes, our turbine is is in a closed circuit, so the water goes around inside that cylinder and, and mm. inside the turbine. So there's there's no salt water, no no uh, no no crabs going into our turbine. It's it's just the same water going around and around and around. So,
0: so oh, very cool. It's a closed
1: cool. uh, system. Very so cool. That that water from from the garden pump it's, it goes nowhere. It just goes back into the same cylinder.
0: Mm. Very interesting. Well, I mean, we could probably talk about this all day. Like I say, with all of my guests, but it has been fascinating. Just Very much skimming the surface of the, you know, potential of wave energy with you, Jan. So I guess just in closing, I'm curious to know um, from where you're sitting as, you know, someone that's on the forefront of this type of um, energy application or even just someone as a person, what is exciting you the most about the um, changes going on in the eco-friendly and sustainable um, lifestyle movement right now?
1: I think it's great to see the uh, you know the the uh, young 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 generation growing up. Uh, yeah. Also, have you know kids and and of course they are they are very much aware about this uh, this issue and especially this summer also, but it's even more on the on the chart for most people. Unfortunately, the humans are like this that uh, gradual changes uh, are not that uh, you know take taken as seriously the covid was coming rapidly and and there was billions coming into that uh, that uh, you know problem in in months this gradual you know 0.01 degrees uh, increase in temperature per decades is something which people do not experience that much so it's been you know we kicking the ball down the road especially with the larger corporations looking the other way and um, i think now they see that they will have themselves an economical backdrop uh, from this over the, over time uh, because if you continue with this. It will be more and more expensive, uh, and, and it will impact more and more people. So, unfortunately, it has been you know going all the way to this summer. I think until most people realize, oh shit, we have to you know do something radical about this. Uh, yeah. So I, uh, you know, the the new IRA, the Inflation Reduction Act in in uh, in uh, U.S. by Biden and company is good uh, and the similar now coming in Europe more and more you know it's coming our way so in some way it's good to uh to to uh learn that uh that things are happening it should have happened you know 25 years ago sure but, uh, <laughs> that's that's the way humans are they kick the, the can down the road uh, yes but I, I do think now that you know company like ours uh, do get more and more attention like we now on this podcast for instance and many other podcasts uh, we do get quite a lot of of, uh, of media attention and people want to support us in different ways and also for your audience uh, most welcome to uh, look into the to the web page and if you like uh, you can contact me on LinkedIn if you have something uh, which you think is, is, is important for our future uh, if you know people in utility sector, oil and gas companies, whatever, that want to do some uh, changes, even philanthropists, you know, give them a hint about us, and, and uh, we're welcome to you know, uh, you know, have a dialogue with anyone Absolutely. that wants to see this happening.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> well, we will include links to uh, your company and everything on our show notes. So, listeners, uh, don't worry. You can find all of that on brightly.eco. Um, but overall, it's, just, it's been, just been such a fascinating conversation, and I wanted to say thank you.
1: <laughs> and uh, thank you laura and uh, what i say to uh to other podcasters is that since you had this program now you're welcome on board the full-size unit uh, in about two and a half years all sea. right
0: <laughs> <laughs> well we'll see what we can do about that well have a great day thanks so much thank you joining us on another episode of Good Together. To get show notes and more, head to brightly.eco slash podcast. Finally, don't forget to join in on the conversation with us on social media. You'll find us on almost everything at brightly.eco. Don't forget, we're all on this journey together. So have fun putting the planet first and stay curious.